Good morning. On this bowl of question crunch, my sister Nicole is here to answer questions about her experiences with IVF, which fertility deities are her favorite, and which Goonie is the god of the underworld. <laughs> thing about uh the use of profanity but since uh my niece is there i would like to not <laughs> i would like to refrain from profanity <laughs> she can't she can't hear anything i have my earphones on <laughs> okay we're cool then we're fine then we get all she... and i want to include this in the actual podcast because i think it's a funny conversation um so today's guest and usually i have a blurb and i think i you know if you're listening to this on the podcast you already heard the blurb but i also want to mention that uh Nicole, as my sister, is one of the few people who I've known all my life. I think that you're the only guest so far that has I've known all my life. <laughs> I've known you almost all my life. Almost all my life. There was a 30, three years. 36 of the 39 years. <laughs> yeah. There's a three-year mark where you got to live in a world that did not have me in it. <laughs> Two years and 10 months. Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna be if you're gonna use math, I guess, but <laughs> not the biggest fan of math. Um, so you are definitely one of my favorite people, and I say that a lot to a lot of guests. But you're <laughs> this is one of the few times that I can actually say that I owe <laughs> a lot of my humor, a lot of my uh, <laughs> I don't want to say obnoxious because a lot of people don't like that word. But a lot of not obnoxiousness, a lot of my progressive thoughts on you. <laughs> Thanks. That is definitely a compliment. That's a big compliment. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, and one of my favorite things is your willingness to. Uh, I'm trying to think of exactly how to say this, but you did do uh, in in vitro. It's I have a hard time pronouncing it. It's in vitro fertilization, right? Yep. Cool. Um, and it's the willingness to be able to do what you want for yourself and not care about any of the stigma that might be attached to any of the things that you do. It's just right. you know how to care about your own mental health and your own self-care and your own happiness that everything else is, I don't want to say irrelevant, but you prioritize yourself. And I think that is amazing. Well, thank what you. Is, what is in vitro fertilization for folks who don't know, for me who don't know? Well, it's a very intense fertility treatment um, where you extract a woman, uterus haver, extracts eggs from her ovaries um, with, with hormonal help. So um, normally you wouldn't produce uh, like a ton of eggs at one time like you you always have eggs but the way that they start building and that they you get these follicles this whole this whole thing essentially you're using hormones to make sure you have as many as you can so you can harvest as many eggs as you can and um and then so you go through a series of months worth of testing and um from genetic testing to make sure that you and your partner don't have any kind of serious genetic disorders that can affect um, a baby. You go through countless hormonal testing. You go through uh, uterus scrapes. 
<laughs> these terrible, terrible, terrible things. Um, and then essentially you harvest your eggs and um, it's a very invasive procedure where you're put under and, you know, your partner gives sperm and then you mix the two together in a test tube, in a little beaker, and um, you get a call in like 24 hours telling you how many of those eggs fertilized. And then from there, you choose how many um, of the embryos now, or they're called, you call them blasts because they're not quite at the embryo stage yet. Their embryo is a little further along technically, like so they're called like a blast, they call them. Um, and they're just multi-celled at this moment. And um, so for us, we chose to do this thing called PGD, which is pre-genetic. It's like pre-genetic screening. I forget if it's the right acronym, but it's basically taking a biopsy of each created embryo to see which one would be viable um, and to screen it for any um, serious diseases or um, stuff like that would prohibit the embryo from growing into a baby. And then from there, you freeze the ones that you want to keep or implant the one you want to and keep. Um, we, we went ahead and did a frozen embryo transfer instead of a fresh embryo transfer. So from my egg retrieval, that was in May and I didn't implant an embryo until that September. And so um, we did a frozen. So then you implant one of those frozen embryos. Some people, if you recall, like Octomom, you know, like dec uh, over a decade ago, a lot. This is where there is that controversy because there are some people who choose to implant many at one time. Um, we only chose to implant the one because we had a really strong chance of getting pregnant. And also because we did that elective um, screening of the embryo where we did the biopsy. So essentially, I had 17 follicles that matured and then that gave me 15 eggs and out of those 15 eggs 11 of those fertilized and um, out of those 11 five, uh, seven made it to day five and that's kind of when they do the test so at day five they decide to do the test um so i said seven i think seven so we had seven and then seven made it to day five and then out of those seven we had two viable embryos um and then they give you the genders as well. Well, I guess you wouldn't say, you wouldn't call it, it's a sex. I guess it's sex. So biologically, we had two viable female embryos. And so one of them is our daughter. So I know <laughs> that when you were doing the process, uh, I know when you were doing the process, I only got little tidbits of the what you were going through. But... And even in your description right now, and when you're saying that you did countless uh, hormonal tests to make sure that you were viable, that you were able to do it, I think that the term countless is such a very <laughs> two-syllable word for all the stuff that you had to go through, all the tiring, exhausted stuff. Hundreds of shots. Hundreds. I have, a, I put them on canvas one time. It's a picture of all my needles. We saved all of our needles for our first round of IVF and um, hundreds in your stomach and in your butt. So you do, there's like shots that you take leading up, there's shots that you take during the harvest, there's trigger shots that you take right before the harvest, there's hormones that you take until your 12th week of pregnancy, depending on where you're at. Um, Cause essentially they're manually 
controlling your hormones. So like in a perfect world, in a perfect situation where there's no infertility and you can get pregnant whenever, there's really only about a 20% chance that a perfectly normal couple can get pregnant like in like a four month cycle. Like it's, it's not as common. Like it's very, it's, 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 you're very lucky, you know, you're very lucky if you can have that happen. So for us, you know, um, we're also very lucky. Lots of people don't get pregnant on their first try. And um, we had a really, they grade the embryos. So our daughter, Aubrey, was an A-plus embryo. Our second embryo was a B-plus. Um, unfortunately, she did not make it, and we lost her in October. Um, her name would have been Robin. But um, but still, you know, we were very lucky to have this one, and that was our last embryo. The other ones, we had donated the embryos to science for um, – and this is where I know your question about like Christian nationalism, but this is where there's a lot of controversy because pe- a lot of people think that we should not have done that or destroyed that. We should have adopted them out or, um, and that's a thing. We'll talk about that, but um, we, can, we these, can skip that question if you want. No, I don't mind skipping it at all. I like, I like, we can talk about it, but um, we donated ours to be, to help lasers be calibrated because I just, there's so many improvements that have been made in um in fertility treatments over the last like decade even and so if we could help it get even closer like this last time i did an experimental a new procedure called prp where they go in and take my blood and then they in they clean the they like clean the blood and inject the platelets directly into my uterus twice before i have an embryo transfer so there's all these different things that are constantly changing changing you know and um to make fertility treatments more successful. So if I had these five additional embryos that the the chance of them even turning into humans was like, it wouldn't have happened. And let's say we had implanted one of those with Aubrey. There's a huge chance that my body could have rejected the one that wasn't going to be viable and then also miscarried her. So, um, so yeah, I know there's controversy surrounding it, but at the end of the day, I have my daughter and that is worth more than anything to me. And that's a perfect example of how much I love your willingness for just your own health and the health of people around you, because you're right. There are some folks who would say you should adopt those out, but you are helping make this make <laughs> make the whole experience better for folks who want kids you're helping the science get better and that's only going to help moms in the future and i think that's fantastic that's excellent right and you know when we first started going down this route i had a lot of people who would say you know there's a lot of people who are against in vitro fertilization at the hospital i gave birth to my daughter and i had a nurse tell me while i was in labor um the night before couple of nights before, because I had a very long labor that ended in a C-section. So a night nurse told me, oh, she's an IVF baby. I said, yes. She's like, well, don't tell some of the nurses here that because some of the nurses are nuns. And a lot of Catholics believe that IVF children are born without souls. <laughs> that was fun. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so see, And then so I told her, well, I'm Jewish and we don't believe that the that the soul the 
it gets a soul until they're born. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and I, I, I mean, I'm not going to flaunt anything, but we are chosen. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, where are the nuns? I want to tell them that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a lovely hospital, but that was a crazy thing to be told when you're at day two of a, oh, your labor. So. I would I would almost want to ask, like, uh, it's it's a shame that we couldn't test for soul. <laughs> you know what? She had soul when she was swimming inside of me, so it is what it is. Like, believe what you want. <laughs> no, but I want to see. I want to see what the grades are for souls. I want. I want to see what the. Gra- <laughs> I don't you said she was that. a she was an A plus embryo, so there must have been some chart or data on your soul, I guess. <laughs> I do remember thinking though, it's such a dumb blonde moment that I had. I remember when they told me that the other one was like a B. I was like, God, I hope that means that that one's not going to be a like not as smart as our first one. I'm sure but, I'm sure that I was a C embryo. <laughs> well, no, you were probably the most of us are probably A embryos. You oh, know, that's No, it's true because the likelihood of a person carrying like a C to full term, you know, I remember my doctor had told me that women have miscarriages probably more than they think and it just you might get pregnant and it's like super early on and your body just doesn't keep it and you just naturally miscarry them. And so there might be chance, you know, (laughs) the likelihood of like a C or a D, you know, it's very slim. So if you've made it until, you know, fermentation and, (laughs) you know, I think then I think you were probably a higher grade. I think we're all higher grade embryos if we've made it this far. I just didn't know embryos were graded. And yeah, it's a it's very it's very interesting. So it has to do with the structure of a cell. It has to do with how many cells it's broken. And um, I have pictures of our embryos at, you know, five days. And um, I always like to show Aubrey because I'm like, this is your first this is your first selfie kind of, you know, it's and. <laughs> And you can tell the difference because I got to see all of them to see what they look like. Um, so they're all, I actually, I, I think that's, I think I remember, I don't remember if I saw all the ones that were not viable. I think I just saw the ones that were, but, um, and I think all the ones that weren't viable were all categorized as males as well. Because <laughs> did you know that male embryos have a harder time making it past a certain phase as well? So Female embryos are typically a stronger embryo than a male embryo. Anyways, um, but the structure, so when you see them, you can tell the difference between Aubrey's and our second one. Um, Aubrey's had a lot of, um, a lot more cells. The structure was very solid. So the way they grade it has to do with, honestly, how it looks. And then when they do the biopsy. So it's really interesting. And um, we learned a lot about, like, science (laughs) going through the process. Okay, that is that is much more helpful. So grading the embryo is not necessarily grading the human that it could be. Um, it's just grading its ability to survive the process. Right. And so my doctor used to say, because, you know, I have a very smart daughter and she's very animated and she says really funny, deep, crazy things. And so my doctor would always say she added a little super serum into, into our mix. I believe it. Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> whatever nun is going to say that she doesn't have a soul is she's out of her. I, you're, well, you're, you're on and, your microphone, and, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're on your earphone. So Aubrey can't hear me. 
she's out of the room. I think she went to go watch okay, Trolls good. again. Those nurses who believe that IVF babies are don't have souls are out of that goddamn mind. <laughs> well, you know, it's that's it's religion's weird when it comes to IVF, you know, and um, luckily none of the nine, nuns had told me this. It was a nurse basically warning me, you know, yeah. but it said it on my paperwork, so anyone could who could have seen it. But um, yes, yeah, so the nurse was warning me. But a lot of religions have weird things. Like I, I remember I didn't tell our rabbi until later on that I got, well, the rabbi's wife, I wasn't just telling the rabbi, but like, because even like really, really religious Jews, like apparently like during the process where they're like taking the embryo and like storing it, they have to have like a rabbi be present for that to make sure that it's stored in like the, in the plasma of the mother, because, because that is like the blood of the, because Jews believe like the blood of Judaism is passed down through the mother. And so they had, so you have to have like a rabbi to observe that part and to make sh- so it's there's a lot like there's a lot like to unpack with religion and and um and fertility treatments and it's so crazy to me because it's like why can't you just decide to do that like why can't it's really not any more invasive than if you had been diagnosed with cancer and then then you're gonna get seek treatment and it's I don't see any difference of well, medical care (laughs) with the chemotherapy uh don't they have to face east or something for the chemotherapy to be kosher kosher chemo jimmy i have no idea that i've never heard that before in my life (laughs) because you're right it is it is a medical treatment and i think it's uh unexpected to have a rabbi on hand to observe the blood yeah there's other stuff too like to make sure that um like there's all these different things. Like when we were there during our cycle, so a lot of the doctors will will get you know, will sync up your cycle with other couples because they'll do the similar procedures at one time, you know. And so when we were there, we I remember we walked into our our lab or our um our doctor's office, and this was in Orange County, so Newport Beach, California. And if you're not local to California, um, you should know that Newport Beach is a very conservative very um very upper middle class wealthy like white primarily white area and um and we went there because this my we love our doctor so she's this one one amazing brilliant doctor i'm gonna say her name her name is sanaz gazal she's just brilliant um and so typically like you'd see like these like blonde OC kind of women in the office. So this one day we walked in and the entire office was full of people from China. No English at all. It was, they were from China. And there was a couple couples from Australia. And I mentioned to my nurse because they had all the nurses that they, they brought in all their Chinese speaking nurses to help and assist on this day. And we were all in for like this, a very similar procedure because they like to sync everyone up. And I asked my nurse, I'm like, is there like, is, is today like a special, is, am I here on a day that's like special? And I wanted to ask, but without asking, cause I didn't want to seem like I'm being like ignorant or rude. It was just like a curiosity thing, especially when you're used to only having maybe one or two couples. And this was like 20 different couples in the waiting room with us. She told us that they do because, because some countries don't allow gender selection when it comes to IVF. 
Australia is one of those countries that do not offer gender selection. And China is also another company or country that doesn't offer gender selection with IVF. So a lot of couples get bussed over. And so they do like these fertility tours with like different countries. So they had a tour from Australia and China at the time that we were doing our process. So it was interesting. But when you think about it, we did have the option to choose if we wanted to put a female or male embryo. We had two females. But um, just think about like that. That is so important to some couples that they are willing to go across an ocean to be able to get a specific gendered child. It's really wild when you think about it. But at the same time, it's their choice. I think that people should ultimately have those choices, <laughs> even if it sounds a little strange. <laughs> I think that the choice of making decisions about your what's going on in your body should be a, a choice that you are allowed to have. And you're right that those folks put in the extra, <laughs> the extra effort in traveling across the world to have that choice. That freedom of choice is pretty hardcore and <laughs> people will yeah. fight for it. I mean, God bless them. I mean, I'm not biased, but, I did really, really, really want a daughter, but I would have been happy with any baby. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next question I had was, uh, what were some of the weird experiences from going through the process? And one of the weird experiences that you did mention was <laughs> the warning about some of the nurses are nuns, which that is was, not yeah. a warning. <laughs> That's not a warning I'd ever receive. <laughs> That, that was when I was in labor, so it wasn't quite during the fertility. Um, just weird experiences, I would say. I think um, I think there's a lot of bias. So when I first started going through my treatment, I had another doctor, and um, he was my first doctor, and he was terrible. And um, he looked at my body and saw that I was a heavier person, plus-size person. And the first thing he told me was that um, I probably was diabetic, and I, I wasn't. And um, he also warned me that if I had a natural childbirth, that I might um, crush my child during birth. So he was very, he was very terrible. And then um, when I went through testing with him, he kept telling me that the, that the things they used for the certain testing wasn't equipped for a plus size body. And so, and it was very painful and he was very insensitive about it. And so that's when I decided to stop fertility treatments and then they end up hiring my doctor and they said, please come in, meet this doctor. And then I fell in love with her because although there are certain things that, yes, affect women or people of a different size, there are definitely certain things that are your health effects. It doesn't always mean that the fertility treatments lie in the woman, you know, lots of times it's male factor. And, um, and I, my hormones were fine. I had great, you know, I, I've always had a pretty normal hormonal be, you know, existence. And so, um, you know, just kind of running through those tests and having to kind of prove my health, like I had to take a stress test. And um, for those of you who don't know what a stress test is, it's where you run on a treadmill and they put all these um, stickers all over you to monitor your heart. And I showed up to the stress test 
with my cute little activewear on. And I was told that, no, I'm going to have to do this topless with a paper vest covering me halfway. And um, a very old man doctor and his young protege with him as I was running on a treadmill doing a stress test. So that was fun. That was very interesting. Not something I recommend. Two out of ten at best. Um, but that, so that was odd. Getting constant blood tests and then eventually you're, I didn't realize this either. I'm already hard getting blood tests and at the fertility clinic, they didn't have a phlebotomist. They have like a nurse doing a blood test. So sometimes a nurse will not be as good as a phlebotomist. And so I had a really hard time getting my veins, you know, and when you've been having blood tests every single day and your veins are tired, they start to hide and they get fatigued. So there were times where I had to get blood tests and they had to put a needle in my toe to get blood or in my ankle or in my neck. That was fun too. Um, that hold and, on, hold on. Like, yeah. Okay. That, you're 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 saying a lot of stuff that just has to have commentary. One, the stress test. I had such a hard time not laughing about that because on I on the show IT crowd, the sweat that one of the stress tests is having a balloon and pop, about to pop the balloon, and so that's, that's a lie. I know. It's not real. And it's it, it wasn't even real in the show. They actually had a machine that was a stress test, but that was one of the jokes that they did. And I had a hard time not laughing when you whenever you mentioned a stress test. The two, the second one I want to mention is you had to drain blood out of your neck. Yes, because out of your arms, I was getting blood tests every single day. I was driving down to Orange County every single day during the monitoring, and and you have to get these blood tests to check in. And I and I I for, forgive me if this was either before or after confirmed pregnant. It may have been when I was confirmed pregnant because especially like when you're going through the process, you're getting these like you're getting these ultrasounds and they're not the kind of ultrasounds that you get when you're pregnant where it's over your tummy. They are internal ultrasounds that are very uncomfortable. And so I'm getting that you're getting blood tests. You're doing this like every day, every two days, every. And so your veins get tired. You, you're giving a lot of blood. And so you can hydrate all you want, but eventually your veins kind of start to hide and you're, it's probably also anxiety of the being pricked. So there were times where, like I said, I had to have, I had to have blood taken out of my toe or my ankle. It was like a weird spot on my foot. And then the other time was out of my neck. And that was so scary. It was terrible. The neck sounds so scary because like, I, I, can, I can donate blood. I, I can do, I can take shots in the arm. Yeah. Go for it. Let's do this. But the idea of having a needle go into your yeah. neck sounds fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it was it was terrifying. And um and and like when I went under for my egg retrieval, I remember um it was my first time going under under like anesthesia. And um they put they give you a sedative first to kind of calm you down. And it go and, and they have to put an IV in your hand. You have to have an IV. So I'm falling asleep and you have this stuff and I can feel this like it feels like you're very drunk or stoned or it just feels like a wave before they start to put you out. So this is just when they're relaxing you. And I remember looking and they have you strapped. You look like Jesus. Your arms are out like a cross and you're strapped on this like operating table. And I look over and my um, IV popped. And all, and right before I fell asleep, I vividly remember just blood 
coming out of my wrist because my oh because my IV was in my wrist not my hand because they couldn't get it in my hand and that was what I remember falling asleep with and then when I when you wake up from anesthesia you're very confused and you're kind of out of it and so I just remember like thinking like making sure I was alive (laughs) so that has to be one of the most terrifying cliffhangers of your life. Yeah. <laughs> you you get knocked out and you see those, the, the, the words to be continued and you're like, uh, did I die? <laughs> Before this last um, implantation, this last embryo implantation that I had last year, they had to put you under, they give you this thing called uh, uh, hysteroscopy. And it's where they, it's almost like a DNC. So a lot of women who have a miscarriage or an abortion, they have to have a DNC where they kind of basically cauterize and clean out your uterus. And it's very, very, very painful. And um, and so I had to have one before this last embryo transfer because I had a C-section. I had some scar tissue. Um, a lot of times hormones cause different things in your uterus, like a polyp or, you know, different things. So it's very painful. So in order, and, and I've been awake from, for two of them. And so my third one, my doctor was like, I'm putting you out. So I had, I was put out, thank God. And, um, my doctor told me that when I woke up, I was just saying, cause you're out of anesthesia. My doctor kept saying, I kept yelling those goddamn balls, those goddamn balls. And she couldn't figure out what I was really referring to. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> we, sorry, I'm I'm gonna keep thinking about the being knocked out with your arm, <laughs> just spraying blood all over the place. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> it was probably one of the scarier moments. So yeah, we had a lot of weird moments throughout the IVF process. Um, we, I mean, not a lot of people can say that they got to see their embryo at like six weeks old you know we see that we see it very early we heard her heartbeat very early um so it's a it's a really surreal process and um you're very it's a very intense process so I think throughout my pregnancy I was really nervous because I because I'd gone through so much to get her and then I was so afraid of something terrible happening. So I don't know if I really enjoyed my pregnancy as much as I should have. So that was a little tough, you know, and, and then when you switch from your, you're with your fertility doctor for about 11 weeks, 12, 11 to 12 weeks, like the first trimester. And then you switch to your regular doctor. And then you're, when you're at a fertility clinic, you're treated like a queen, you know, you're just like coddled, <laughs> you know, and you're seeing your baby all the time. And when you go to a normal OB, you don't get to see the baby all the time. And then, so I would, I would like fake being like not feeling well, or I, I haven't felt it kick so that I could rush over to my OB and just so they would give me an ultrasound. And I had to tell my doctor, please like, just, just do what you needed. Like I just needed to make sure everything was okay. You know, they say drink orange juice. So the baby will like move around. So I would drink orange juice just to feel our kick. So it was just, it's a surreal process. One of my favorite things is that you're showing, uh, you're showing, do we mention her name? I'm just trying to think if we want to uh, mention your daughter's name, my niece's daughter, my, my niece's name on the podcast. I don't know how you feel. I can't remember if we mentioned her name. 
I think I've said her name, but we we call her Obs. Okay. We call her Obs. Uh, I think that the fact that you're showing her her as an embryo is awesome because I feel like there's a lot of process in the. I feel like, especially in the U.S., there's a weird kind of sense of let's not talk about medical treatments, let's not trust science. There's a lot of anti-science mentality that I feel like more uh, what's more transparency and more visibility of the process of the steps that goes into science is good. I think it takes away the scariness of science and scariness of medical procedures that I think more people should be exposed to. We've been very open and honest with her. So we kind of call her, we, we call it the phase when she was our little seed. And we've said that for a long time. And especially she had a very hard time with our second round um, or our second implantation because she saw me getting the shots. And on one hand, she wanted to be involved. So she'd help daddy, you know, wipe my, wipe my tush with alcohol, you know, my butt cheek. Or she'd watch me, you know, get the shots ready. She'd go with me to my doctor's appointments. Um, he would sit there. She straight up asked my doctor one time, are you putting that in her vagina, doctor? You know, so she was very like, she understands. And she's very, very curious. I mean, just this before you called, we were looking up hurricanes. And last night we were looking up um, when someone catches a, we were, she wanted to watch videos of swordfish being caught. And a lot of fishermen will take the belly out of the swordfish and then empty the belly of the contents to see what the swordfish or what these big animals are eating. So she wanted to watch videos of swordfish belly content. So she's we, we've told her the kind of process she I mean, she's watched childbirth. She wanted to see a baby being born. And so I showed her um, there's this one kind of hippy dippy kind of like. It's like called birth of a mother or something, but it's a site and they show a lot of like water births, a lot of like very non-traumatic type births. And I don't want to, sh- she understands that I had a C-section for her and there's actually a doctor who um, put together for her child, she put together like a Play-Doh model of like how a C-section is done so that it doesn't feel very graphic because it's extremely graphic. And so she kind of knows that. And then, um, but she watched a uh, water birth. And um, it was in black and white, so it wasn't too graphic. So she kind of gets the gist. And so, like, when we were going through the IVF process this last time, um, the way we kind of explained it, and I don't know if we should have done it quite the way we did because it did add some emotion into it. But we would say we're going to plant this little seed. And, you know, we, all, we plant other seeds. We've planted other flowers. We've planted seeds. And we're just going to water it and give it nutrients. And we're going to really, really, really hope it grows and grows roots and takes up, you know, permanence in my body. But if it doesn't, we know that not all seeds grow into a plant. And so that's kind of how we explain it to her. And she was devastated, you know, because she really, really wants she she would love to be a big sister. And it's just probably not going to happen for her, you know, so. um we on one hand we're like should we have even said that should we have even told her any of it but on the other hand too like i really want her to understand like the fragility of life and um and just how you know she has to learn we all have to learn how to navigate 
heartache too. And even though she's little, like we still have a lot of fun. Like, you know, we still Santa, like we make sure magic is always around her. But at the same time, like there are some things we have to figure out how to explain that to her so that she just understands how special we all are as humans. I have a lot of friends who, uh, even if, I have a lot of friends who are really in, big in the horror genre as far as watching movies and being fans. And I have friends who are not necessarily big fans of horror, but their kids are. And I can't fathom how annoying and frustrating it must be as a parent to want to foster their kids' curiosity and have other parents say, you're doing it wrong. I can't, I can't express, I I can never understand that kind of frustration, but I feel like I, I like, I like it when I hear that parents are encouraging kids to pursue knowledge, pursue what they are passionate about. I feel like it's the parents that say, no, you're too young for that. And you should stop learning more about science that I feel like that makes kids worry and be afraid of asking questions worry and being afraid of being involved and i think that that's uh i think that's fantastic that you are involved involving obs in the different stages of scientific (laughs) being able to watch a video of a swordfish's stomach being removed i don't know if i can handle it but i've watched a lot of i've watched a lot of discovery uh national geographic stuff um i think it's good and healthy to be able to want to especially if you're if it's scientific if it's if it's some weirdo who's just slaughtering animals that's completely different than scientists doing it right and i don't want her to be exposed to like horror right now and also like a lot of like sexuality because i think that she's a little child and i think that there's a thing about curiosity about just life and biology versus like having to expose her to things that are like what nightmares are made out of you know and she already is five so she already has imagination and she already thinks about scary things that may not happen like there was a time where she was so worried that (laughs) oh my god what was it that she thought was in the toilet uh i like it that you say what nightmares are made of i think that removing the stomach of a swordfish is a nightmarish thing (laughs) well they kind of swallow their prey whole so it's just like fish and She's she likes seeing that kind of stuff. Like she has a natural like scientific like um she wanna see what a brain looked like and then she wanna see what a dead brain looked like. Um, you know, so she does have a natural curiosity, but I think that's more life. Um she asked us recently what happens after dinosaur or what what happens when humans are extinct? What will come next? And you know, and we had I don't know if you've watched it, but it was on Apple, if you have Apple. Um, you know who David Attenborough is, the one who does all the doc, the nature documentaries. Yeah. Okay, so we're like big nature documentary. Anytime he does something, we're on it. So on Apple TV, they did a dinosaur version, and it's a it's a documentary of like dinosaurs. It's like a four part series. It's incredible. You, they are. It is. It looks like you're watching real dinosaurs, and we had so much fun watching these four shows. And so Aubrey watched them and um, there were some scenes where, you know, a dinosaur killed another dinosaur or, you know, maybe all the baby dinosaurs didn't quite make it. And so she just has this natural curiosity. So I think like when it comes to like biology and it comes to 
um, like life. I think that she deserves to have somewhat of an explanation that's like catered and watered down to her appropriate age. You know, that's appropriate for her age. She's in the uh, the Netflix documentary with Obama narrating. We started it. She thought it was boring. <laughs> okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of scenery and not so yeah. much animal content. Um, yeah, she wants the animal content. <laughs> because I think the one with I think I think they were alligators. I'm trying to remember if they're alligators or crocodiles, but it was the uh, I'm pretty sure they're alligators. The alligators that did like the starfish. Yeah. The water was too murky. And so they do they go starfish to be able to grab at the fish that are swimming past. We might try it again. We might try as it again. An, but as an adult, I appreciate that scene because it's funny to see an alligator sprawled out. Yeah. But yeah, we kid, might we might try it. Because <laughs> the alligator didn't really do anything. <laughs> Alligators are very scary for her right now, as are sharks. But um I know you know this. We take her whale watching. Aubrey and I love going whale watching, so she saw She's 1% of the 1% that actually saw a blue whale. And um, and we actually saw a mola mola fish, which is also called a sunfish. And she gets really excited. She was telling her Girl Scout troop yesterday about the mola mola fish that she, she saw. So she might be a biologist. I don't know. So we'll see. But she's, she's in the right place. California has a lot of aquariums. She does not want to go far away for college. Something my five-year-old's already talking about. She does not want to be far away from home. So I had to drive around the campus of Cal Poly Pomona and show her how close it was in proximity to our <laughs> house. So, so um, she's thinking about going there. Cool. Five. Good. Good. I just I'm don't know glad. if they have a huge biology program. I'm glad she's focusing on that at five years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had mentioned because I I I, it's, I gave you the questions. Uh, you had mentioned the Christian nationalism uh question. And it is something that I often worry about because there are way too many scary Christian nationalists in politics right now that are making that are involved with making big decisions of <laughs> our rights. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like the rise in Christian nationalism threatens IBF? Yeah. I mean, Amy Comey, Comey Barrett has feelings against IBF. Um, the destruction or the destroying of the embryos is something they're against. The, the biopsy of the embryos is something they're against. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people do decide not to destroy their embryos and they storm the bank and they store them for however long. And um, some couples also. Now, adoption isn't the right word to say it because technically you cannot adopt an embryo, but that is kind of what they that's kind of what it, I guess it's, there's legality involved in it, but it's not like you're adopting a child, but they call it embryo adoption. So um, there are a lot of people who put their embryos up for adoption. We actually explored that with another couple who are getting rid of their embryos who I met. I met her on a women's Jewish group and it was a, a couple who had had their child and they wanted to donate um, some of their embryos to another Jewish couple. And so we kind of explored it briefly and it came with too many, like they wanted to be involved in the ch child's life and they wanted to have like, and it just, um, for me, it, it was a little, and for both of us, it was just a little like um, complicated. Also because that, that if we would have had a child from this group of embryos, um, that child would have also had a sibling from its biological parents 
and then also a sibling that wouldn't be biologically theirs. And I would worry that there would be a time where that biological sibling might say, well, I'm their real sibling. You know what I mean? Like, and I wouldn't want that to happen. And it just was very complicated. But um, there are rescue groups that will adopt embryos out of like, like, um, okay, so let's say we chose to freeze all these embryos, right? And let's say I didn't pay my rent. Because you have rent to store it in these embryo in these storage facilities. And there are huge storage storage facilities located all over on the country that store embryos. So let's say I didn't pay my rent. You get the warnings, you get the warnings. Well, they're not going to destroy them. So there are organizations, Christian-based organizations. One's called like Snowflake something. And they adopt these embryos that are going to be, that are unclaimed and then adopt them out to couples who are looking to adopt an embryo to carry one. So, um, so that's a little weird to me. I think it's a little strange. Um, you know, I mean, I just feel like what, like a company that is so set on like saving these embryos, like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But then, but then I can't judge about it because I do have friends who have adopted embryos before. And like, I can't, I can't say anything about that because it's like at the end of the day, it's really not my choice to make. So, um, but, but there are a lot of groups who don't feel like you should destroy an embryo or um, do the biopsy testing. So there's a lot, there's a lot that <laughs> comes with IVF. And a lot that religions have to say about it. I mean, you said that with the uh, having to have having to have a rabbi <laughs> watch over what happens to your embryo. So it's not just Christian nationalists. It's just that uh, I hear a lot about Christian nationalists in politics. And so that's something I often worry about. That's the only reason why I bring up that religion. Um, right. And it's it's a little different with Judaism because Ju- Jews have a different view on like when a child becomes a child, you know, and when an embryo becomes a child. And and also um, just there's a lot of different views on it. So I think there's one that one side kind of leans more to like a control of woman's body. And the other one is more of like making sure that the child is really Jewish. I don't know. <laughs> it's complicated <laughs> all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> if the if the embryo is in non-Jewish mother blood, it's a baptism oh, out of Judaism. No, you still have to go through a conversion. Then I don't know. It's it's see, it's complicated. It's so complicated. That's why religions really stay out of of reproductive stuff. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Just let people. Uh, Spoiler alert. Do what they need to. (laughs) Spoiler alert. uh, None of the ancient religious texts cover IVF. (laughs) No, not at all. I don't think anyone was thinking about that. (laughs) You know, folks in the (laughs) desert being like, you know what? Just in case, if they find a way to remove an egg. (laughs) Yeah, just, I mean, it's so strange, but. They didn't even know how that was even, they had no idea about what, how it even was really possible. It's just, they're all blessings from God. You know? <laughs> I just imagine going over to someone in the past and being like, hey, what are your thoughts on that? It's like, uh, I'm still looking at your shoes. What are those? <laughs> well, you know, when our when our grandfather was still alive, our papa, you know, um, 
I, you know, I helped him a lot during the, when I was going through the IVF, I was, I had to go to the doctors and do this. And he started getting really worried about me because he didn't quite know. And he was hard of hearing. So I wrote him a long letter describing what I was going through and doing. And he was so supportive and he, and he was like, I, I didn't know it was that much. Like I didn't understand it all, but he's like, it's just really fascinating and I'm support, I support whatever you need me us to, you know, he was just so very supportive, but I had to explain it to like a 90 something year old man, you know, in a letter so that he would kind of understand so that, cause he thought something was wrong with me cause I was going to the doctors and I wasn't feeling well. And so that dude was very progressive for the age, the generation he was from. Yeah, very. <laughs> uh, I just know a lot of people when uh, they're like, when, when people start insulting his generation, which is understandable, whenever someone says something racist, when an old guy says something racist and you're like, oh, he's from a different generation. I always think about uh, Papa because that dude was super progressive <laughs> for. Well, yes, but I do have a story I can tell you. Uh, but hold on, we don't we don't have to we don't have to just we don't have to say anything bad about his character on the podcast. I would like to. <laughs> this wasn't bad. It was funny because, you know, as you know, Papa worked with special needs. He worked yeah, but with. There, he was... But he's done some problematic stuff. He has said problematic stuff that I don't necessarily. But want. it was. But it was all from a place of innocence. He didn't. Sure. It wasn't. It wasn't problematic in his because. It had to do, and I'm not going to explain it to your audience, and if anyone really wants to know, DM me, I'll tell you the story. It's hilarious. But it, it had mostly to do with the way that we, how we speak about people who are special needs. Terms, as we all know, and, and titles have changed over the years. So things that were ways to describe certain people were appropriate 30 years ago that now we have changed the way that we talk about people and, and how we refer to different types of people. And he had a love of working with that population. I start to cry when I think about it, but he had a love of working that with, with that population, that community. So it wasn't coming from a place of it just, that was a term that they used and I'll say it's the R word, you know, we don't say that now, but they did. That's how it was classified back then, you know? So that's just the way it was, but it was, I just remember there was a specific event that happened and he, he said that word and I was like, Oh, don't say that word. <laughs> so. And I understand that. I really do because I want to make sure that listeners know that he was, it, it did like, he was very progressive. He was very caring about everyone. Can I tell but, a story? Can I please tell I don't a story? Want, I don't want to. Really <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories. That's Jimmy. cool. That's cool. But you already uh, said you used the R any, word. Any, and I really, I don't want to know this story. <laughs> it's the best story, Jimmy. It's, it's not the, the best, best story. I can already tell it's not the best story. <laughs> Anyone can DM me for it. It has to do with a Subway sandwich. Oh, no. I don't want to know. I really don't want to know. <laughs> this story just keeps sounding worse. Every Every new addition that you put to it. At me somewhere so people can all all voice memo that to them. It was the best story of my life. Like, cool. We'll we'll post your Instagram and you we'll post your Instagram with a thing and people can message you if you if they're okay. really curious they can find out about a subway sandwich. I don't want to know. I super don't want to know. <laughs> okay. 
god damn it this story keeps getting worse you're gonna add more things you're like oh yeah and then there was a <laughs> there was a cockroach i'm like god damn it no he was a, he was a wonderful elderly man <laughs> liberated a concentration camp you know there's yes, nothing wrong was, to say about him <laughs> he's a vet he's a good guy he's amazing yeah. uh avid animal lover uh yes. so many so many animal charities <laughs> oh so much of their money to our papa. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Which politician? <laughs> it's weird to go straight into another question. <clears throat> okay. Which politician is probably a Scooby-Doo villain? If anyone doesn't say Mitch McConnell, then I don't know. Like, that has to be, it has to be Mitch McConnell. He just looks like a Scooby-Doo villain. As Mitch McConnell gets older, he becomes more, more, more and more like a monster. He looks more and more like just a nightmare. <laughs> I would also say Marjorie Taylor Greene, just because she's just so completely out there where I just can't, I cannot believe the things that she does or say, but she'd be my second choice. Marjorie Taylor Greene is definitely a Captain Planet villain. Oh, okay. I don't know that genre as much. So Scooby-Doo, I, Mitch McConnell. Oh, I agree on Mitch McConnell. That's that's spot on. That's yeah. Yes. Um, but Marjorie Taylor Greene, she just says some really stupid stuff where I I don't want to believe that she believes that because that would be very, very dumb. She but, almost feels like a character on the office. Yes. Yes. Cause I recently saw a video of her at a Christian nationalist like convention bullshit. And uh, she said that the, the, the problem with the Green New Deal is that if we go carbon neutral, that's what, tr- that's, what plant- that's what trees breathe. So that would be bad for them. We should not get rid of all the... She thinks that carbon neutral means we'll get rid of all carbon in our atmosphere. Yeah. You know. That's God super dumb. That's so dumb. I can't... For anyone who's listening who doesn't understand how dumb that is, carbon neutral does not mean we'll get all... We'll get rid of... I'm sure your audience realizes that, Jimmy. I hope so. But trees have existed before we were spewing carbon into the atmosphere. Don't worry about carbon neutral. Don't Green New Deal is not going to endanger trees. Deforestation endangers trees. (laughs) (laughs) So you had mentioned that you know a lot about uh, gods and goddesses. Uh, Yeah. And that is a fascinating subject because I do know a lot of folks who do know a lot about mythology and uh, spirituality. And I had been wondering uh, who would, because like uh, fertility, fertility is a big theme in deities. Yeah. Like I feel like every culture has some deity that represents fertility. Who would be on your fertility deity squad? Can I mix the cultures? Can I mix Absolutely. The- Okay, so it would be, um, I think number one would be Artemis. Artemis is the Greek goddess of um, of the hunt and the wilderness and also the womb. And um, she was like a virgin goddess and she was just um, protective of the womb. So I would go with her first. Um, the second would be Circe. Circe was a witch goddess. She's my favorite goddess. And um, she was Helios's daughter. And she was banished to an island and she she Odysseus fell in love with her. But one of her powers was that she would turn men into swine 
and her enemies into swine. And so um, I just like the idea of her being a protective person to like turn people into swine if they mess with a person going through. Because people who go through that treatment need a lot of protection and safe safety. Um, the next one I would do would be Celtic goddess um, Brigid. Brig- Brigid. Um, Brigid is known for being like a mom, a mother kind of motherly goddess and to protect women. There's actually a great abortion fund called the Bridget Alliance that um, that basically will help primarily people who are in a later term abortion stage. They'll help pay for like transportation, hotel, everything. They're a really great organization to um, to donate to. Um, really the next. Cool. I'm going yeah. to make a note of that charity because that sounds like really good uh really good purpose really good mission statement yeah they're really great company um the next one i would do she's not quite a goddess but lilith lilith was eve's was the first wife of adam and some people call him call her the first feminist one of the things that she she did not want to lie beneath adam during sex and so that was one of her things that she wanted to be considered an equal and I just think that she's has a bad rap of being this demon, but I really do think she is a symbol for female empowerment. Um, and I know there are other fertility goddesses, like there's Oshun, she's from the Yoruban. Um, she's a goddess of fertility. There's Freya, she's with the Norse. Um, but I mean, Aphrodite is also a fertility goddess and I love Aphrodite, but I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd stick with the fertility goddesses so much. I kind of like the idea of this like more villainous and kind of dark goddess. And that's kind of where I've been leading into are like these more kind of dark feminine witchy goddesses. And so I think my Artemis, Circe, and, and with Bridget, Bridget, Bridget wasn't a dark goddess. She was very like um, warm and protective, but oh, one more Celtic goddess is the Morrigan. She is uh, she's the goddess of the battle and the fight and victory. So she's kind of a badass and she's really scary. So I, I like the idea of having these just protective goddesses. I like the idea of darker plots and more because uh, I feel like a lot of times women are forced by society to keep the peace, to be happy, to always smile. And so whenever I hear uh, when you mention that you want to go for the darker, the more witchy ones, I'm like, yes, I'm. <laughs> that's one thing I really want to encourage and I want to celebrate is just that women can start shit. Let let women be. Let women start shit. I don't. I don't like the whole keep the peace bullshit. No, I think you should lean into your your rage. My daughter wants to be a witch. For she's very into witches right now, and there's a great show called Summer Camp Island that she started watching because we watched Hilda after yours. So she loves Hilda and summer camp Island is by the people who did adventure time. And um, the summer camp is run by all these witches. So my daughter wants to be this particular witch on the show. And my daughter will count the freckles on her wrist and tell me how many witches she was in her past life. (laughs) And she reminds me that she was not a good witch. She was a bad witch. And so I kind of like that. uh, Hobbs is becoming one of my favorite people ever. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just wait for her Halloween costume. She's gonna be Susie from Summer Camp Island. So you gotta look her up. Where, and Jimmy, where is Summer Camp, is HBO. Summer Camp Island? Is Summer? Oh, HBO. So good. Yeah. Is it good for adults? Like it's not like just yeah. A kids? Yeah, oh. it's by the people who did Adventure Time. So it has that kind of. We're gonna we're gonna try to have her watch Adventure Time later to see if she'd like it. Okay. It's very similar. 
I did like Hilda. So it's not it's not that I don't like kids shows. It's just I like I like kids shows that still has a tone that adults can enjoy. Summer Camp Island for sure. Okay. Yeah, 100%. I'll check that out tonight probably. <laughs> so good. It's so, so, so good. Which member of the Goonies would be the god of the underworld? Mama Fratelli. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Goddess. Really? Yes. <laughs> Who else? Goddess. I don't know. I was thinking even like uh, Mikey because Mikey is compelled to go under the, under the ground. Like he was compelled yeah, to his, go explore. His soul is too pure. You have to have Mama Fratelli who knows how to like handle a bunch of like, you know, ruffians. <laughs> we don't have any. We don't have any food. We have tongues. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she threatened to put a kid's tongue in the blender. Like she's. Well, no, she was gonna cut cut the tongue with a switchblade yeah. and then put Chung's hand in the blender. I think you're onto something because that sounds very old school mythology stuff. Yeah. I think you're right. I'm I, you're definitely putting me on your side on this on this conversation. It's, it's her because if I were to equate her to like a goddess, it'd be like no, because Hecate was a good goddess. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to think about who she would like, who I would equate her to. But no, it'd be Mom Fratelli down there. Yeah, and her mantra would be "Kids suck." <laughs> yeah, and no kids are going down to hell. You know, it's only adults. what words of advice would you give to someone who is interested in doing IVF um really really join like join into the community like there are a lot of community there's a lot of community involvement out there so I've met a lot of women a lot of people a lot of couples who've gone through fertility through online communities so Facebook groups Instagrams hashtags even like we found each other I'm still friends with a lot of these people just virtually. Um, and I think it's really important just to kind of have people who you know, who you can talk to, who have gone through it. I see. Wow. Okay. Um, she's dressed as um, Mirabelle from Encanto. That is one of our favorites right now. Um, anyways, but no, just really surround yourself. Please, please, please. Surround yourself with people who are in who have gone through it because it's really important to like hear those stories and um, but also recognize that your journey is completely your own. You cannot compare your story to somebody else's because there are so many different factors when you're going through fertility treatment that you would just make yourself sick because you would compare. You can't compare your stories, and you have to like. Um, just be ready for it to be a long process. It is not fast. And the last thing I would say is like really just be a, a big advocate for yourself when it comes to finding the proper medical care. I knew when I met that first doctor that he wasn't for me and he was a terrible, terrible fit. And um, I was really, really lucky to find the doctor I did who was really supportive and who took her time and who didn't have old school thinking like a lot of these primarily men in this field by the way so I had a very young doctor who had new ideas and that's really what got us pregnant so she had a fresh perspective she didn't just look at me and say well there's a fat girl like I bet this is wrong with her I bet this is this and this and this and this no she she wanted me to have a baby and that's what she did so yeah so and then I also say just one more thing one more thing um be careful who you talk to about this journey because you don't need somebody who you tell, like let's say a coworker or a friend or a family member. You don't really need someone telling you, oh yeah, my cousin's best friend did that. And oh yeah, it didn't work. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life. 
And I had plenty of people who would tell me those stories and you just don't need to hear it because we all know the realities of this process. You, you need to hear the good more than you need to hear the bad because it really is an emotional roller coaster more than a physical. <laughs>